0: You're listening to the Tiny Course Empire podcast with Cindy Bidar. This is episode number 32, and today I wanna talk to you about increasing your sales. Last week, we did that by adding more traffic. More eyes on your offers brings in more sales, right? But today, we're gonna take a look at this from a different angle. I have a seven-step process you can use to improve your sales figures without adding any more traffic at all. Stick around to find out how it works. Welcome to the Tiny Course Empire podcast, a weekly show dedicated to helping you launch and grow your digital course business, even if you don't have a big team or a six-figure ads budget. We'll help you design smart systems, take consistent action, and achieve massive success on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Cindy Bedar. Welcome back to the Tiny Course Empire podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Bedar. You will find show notes and recommended resources for this episode at tinycourseempire.com forward slash 32. This is part five of a six-part business building series. Next week, we're gonna talk about scaling your small business. So if you're new here, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss that episode. This episode, though, is all about increasing your revenue just by doing what you're already doing, only doing it maybe a little bit better. Now, it's pretty common knowledge in business that it's easier to earn more from an existing customer than it is to find a new one. And that's true in your online business as well. And the best news is it's easier to do that than you might think. I've got a seven-step plan for you that's going to help get the job done. Now, I do have to warn you, this is not a quick fix. It's going to take you a few weeks to work through it. In fact, I'd even say it's a project that's never really finished at all, as you'll see when we get to step seven. But with that said, it's totally worth the time and the effort. Doing these things will absolutely help to grow your business. And They work without you having to drive more traffic and without you having to create more and better products and offers. So ready? Let's go ahead and dive in. Step one is all about removing the friction. I had a mindset coach talk to me one time about the things that I wanted to do, but that just weren't happening. I wanted to eat healthier and I wanted to work out more and I wanted to email my list more. And these things that I kept saying I wanted to do, but just didn't happen. And she asked me something that really made an impression on me. She said, well, how can you remove the friction. And what she was talking about was, how could I make it easier on myself? Now, you've all heard this kind of advice. We talk about things like, going to the gym. If you want to go to the gym every morning, lay out your workout clothes the night before. Remove that friction. Make it easier for you to get dressed in the morning and put your shoes on and head out to the gym. And that's exactly what we're talking about here in step one. We want to remove the friction from the buying process. Make it as easy as possible for your customers to say yes to making that purchase. So there's a few different ways that we can do this. First, you wanna make sure that your customers know how and where to get help when they need it. That can be something as simple as including contact links on your sales pages. You can drop them all the way down to the bottom in the footer, just make sure that there is a link there where people can reach you if they have questions. You can also include support options on your receipts and in your welcome messages so people don't feel like they're abandoned, like they're left out there with no way to get in touch with you if something goes wrong. You can also make sure that your customer support links are up to date in your payment processors. For example, in your PayPal, if you're using PayPal links on your sales pages, your PayPal should have support options within it. You can include a phone number. You can include an email address. You can include a website where people can go to get in touch with you. All of these things make your sales page and the buying process feel more comfortable for your potential buyers. It makes you more credible. It lets them know, lets the buyers know that you're going to be there for them, that you are not just taking their money and running, that you are going to back up that purchase that they're making. So check your sales page, first of all, and make sure that your contact information is there. You might even go so far as to include one of those little pop-up windows that has a chat widget in it. We have one of those on our sales pages. We don't monitor it live. It actually goes to the help desk, but we get lots of questions through that little chat widget, and I know that we have made sales through it when we respond to those customer questions. So make it easy for your customers to get help. Make them feel like you are there to support them, and that will go a long ways to removing that friction for the sale. Another way to do that is to offer a money-back guarantee. I see a lot of digital product sellers who refuse to offer a money-back guarantee. The logic there is that it's a digital product and you can download it right away and there's no way to return it. And I get all of that. But think about this for a minute. It's a digital product. What have you really lost if somebody asks for a refund? You are not out the cost of a physical product that they can't return, right? It's just good karma to allow your buyers to have a refund if it isn't a good fit for them. By saying there's no refunds available on your digital products, what you're really saying is, I don't trust you, my potential buyer, to not try to scam me. And that's just not a good feeling to put out there in the world. So rethink that if you're not offering a guarantee on your products. At least offer a five or a seven or a 10-day money-back guarantee. That's going to go a long ways to removing that friction as well. Also, in your sales pages, you want to make sure that you're handling sales objections in your marketing, in your emails, and in the sales pages themselves. Now, what is a sales objection? a sales objection is simply put a reason why people aren't buying. There are some common sales objections like I don't have any money. I don't have time for this. There's no reason to buy right now. I don't trust you. I don't need this. Those are kind of the most common things. And you can address those right on your sales page. For example, if people say they don't have any money, then you can help them to see the potential return on the investment. You can help them see how they can afford it. You'll quite commonly see things on sales pages that say things like, for the cost of dinner out, or you'll recoup your investment with just one additional sale. That's one you'll see on my sales pages sometimes. And that is addressing that common objection of, I can't afford this. You can address the no time objection by pointing out how much time people are wasting right now trying other solutions or by pointing out that it's probably going to take a lot less time than they think it will. So you'll see that objection addressed in language like this is fast, or this is really easy, or this is faster than you think, or quicker than you think. Those are all phrases that are addressing that I don't have time objection. The no urgency objection, you can address by explaining to them why now is the most important time to be doing this, whatever this is, why they've already wasted so much time, how much more time that they are going to lose by waiting another week or another month or another year. Now, you know your customers best, and you know the reasons why they're not buying, so make sure that you are incorporating those sales objection responses into your sales page, into your email marketing, into your social media marketing. However you are getting in front of your ideal audience, make sure you're addressing those sales objections. That will go a long ways to removing that friction as well. So that's step one. Make it easy for your customers to say yes to buying. Remove the friction. Help them to say yes. That's all you're doing here. Step two is to know your own benchmarks. We're working on improving sales figures and you can't improve anything if you don't know where you're starting from. So the first thing you need to do here is to just know your numbers. And that's really simple. All you have to know are your average sales page conversion rates. And you can use Google Analytics or whatever analytics package you are using to figure this out. And I'm gonna put a link in the show notes. If you're not already using an analytics package, I highly recommend Google Analytics and Google Analytics Academy has a really great video course that you can take for free that will teach you how to use it. So the link is in the show notes for that. But the way you figure out your average sales page conversion rate is simply by dividing the number of sales by the number of unique page views and multiplying by 100. So for example, if you made 37 sales on a product and you go and look at your Google Analytics and you see that you had 500 visitors to the page, you divide 37 by 500, multiply it by 100, and that means your conversion rate is 7.4%. Now everybody here wants to know what's a good number, what do I aim for, what's good, what's bad, what's low, what's high. The truth is, there is no good number. There's only a good number for you and your products and your audience. That's why it's so important to have that benchmark, to know what your average numbers are so that you can judge your next product against it. Because what your sales page might convert at is vastly different from what someone else's sales page will convert at. So you have to know your numbers. Now, why does this matter? Well, because when you make a change, you need to know if what you did has improved your sales or not. Otherwise, you're just shooting in the dark, right? I have a lot of people who come to me and they say that their product isn't selling, that... You know, they're not making any sales and they want to change their sales page. And it actually turns out that they haven't had enough traffic to the page to even make any sales. So what they really need to find out is what's the conversion rate? Because if you're making one sale and you've had 10 visitors to the page, that's pretty good. If you made one sale and you've had a thousand visitors to the page, that's not so great. So unless you know that conversion rate, you really cannot accurately judge how well something is selling. And you really can't be making any changes to try to improve the numbers unless you know where you're starting from. Something else to understand is optimal pricing. This is the price point at which you're going to earn the most profit. And keep in mind that pricing of digital products is completely arbitrary. You can charge anything you like, but you do want to hit that sweet spot where your product converts well and where it earns the maximum profit for you. And this might be completely counterintuitive. I've tested all kinds of different price points in my business over the years and I've finally landed on that sweet spot where I know that most of my customers are happy to pay it, I've removed the friction for them and I've maximized our profits and our affiliates' profits too. But it took some testing and some tweaking to get to that point and it wasn't the higher price point that won out. So you have to look back at your past sales and see, did this do as well as I thought it should do? Or should I test lowering the price or maybe even raising the price? That's how you're going to know. You're going to look back at your past sales. And of course, the more products you've sold, the more accurate this number is going to be for you. But just keep testing it. Test higher prices, test lower prices, see where your sales land. So step two is to know your benchmarks so that you can make improvements and actually know if what you're doing is working or not. Then step three is, of course, to work on those improvements. So the way that you do that is to split test things. You can split test your sales pages and your email campaigns. Now, what a split test is, if you're not familiar with the term, it's also called an A-B test sometimes. A split test just means that a portion of your audience sees one version of a page or one version of an email, and another portion of your audience sees a different version. We most often see split testing done on sales page headlines, for example, where 50% of the audience will see one headline on a page and 50% of the audience will see another version of the headline. And then those two Versions are compared, and the one that converts best is the winner, and that's the one that we ultimately send all of the traffic to. In emails, you can split test your subject lines, your calls to action, the actual copy in the email, images versus no images, days and times to send your email platform will have the tools available to you to do that. If you are split testing sales pages, then you're going to need to use a sales page tool, a split testing tool. I have two that I recommend, and I'm going to put the links to both of these in the show notes. The first one works with Thrive. You guys know that I use Thrive Architect to build all of my sales pages, and the Thrive Suite has a split testing tool that is available with it. It's called Thrive Optimize. It's pretty simple to use and set up, but it does require that you are using Thrive to create those landing and thank you pages. Otherwise, it won't work. So I use Thrive Optimize to split test my sales pages. You can also use Google Optimize. You can use that with any page that you own, but it is much more complex to set up. So I'm going to link to both of those in the show notes, though, so you can check them both out. So that is step three, to be working to improve those numbers. And the easiest way to do that is through split testing. Like I said, split testing your sales pages, split testing your email campaigns. You can probably split test social media campaigns too. I'll admit, haven't tried that. I don't use social. But if you are selling on social media, I would definitely look into split testing that as well, just to see if you can improve those numbers. Then, step four is to work on saving lost sales. And what I mean by this is to create an abandoned cart email. Do you know that 40%, at least 40%, and it's probably higher with digital products, but at least 40% of all online sales are lost at the checkout page? That means that people click through to your sales page, they read it, they click through to the checkout page, and then they go away and they never buy. And that can happen for a lot of reasons. It happens because they don't trust your page. Maybe you don't have an SSL certificate installed and they don't wanna put their credit card number on your page. Or maybe if you're selling a physical product, there's shipping involved and they don't wanna pay the shipping. Or maybe they get distracted and they walk away from the computer and they forget about it. Or maybe they ultimately decide, don't really don't really want it, don't really need it. For whatever reason, a large portion of people who actually get to that checkout page do not ultimately buy, but you can get them back with an abandoned cart campaign. And what this is, is just a series of emails, one, maybe two emails that go out once that abandonment takes place that encourages people to come back and complete their purchase. I get emails from a yarn supplier. I'm a knitter, if you guys don't know. And I get emails from a yarn supplier that do this Really, really well. Every time I go to check out a sale on their site, if I don't complete that purchase, they send me back an email that says the headline on the email is, You've Got Good Taste. And the email actually contains a picture of the thing that I was looking at with an invitation to go and complete that purchase. And you can set this up really easily in your shopping cart. Most shopping carts have this option. You can also set it up. In a system like Active Campaign, for example, I can do this in Active Campaign by just keeping track of who is going to the cart page. I can put my active campaign tracking pixel on that page. I will know when people get there and then I can test that against whether or not that person actually made a purchase. So it's super easy to set up. If you're not using an abandoned cart sequence, I highly recommend it. So that is step four, save those lost sales. Step five is to increase your average sale. Now, we've already talked about how earning more from existing customers is easier than recruiting new ones, and part of that is by increasing your average sale. I have a couple of different ways for doing this that work really well. Number one is to use a bump offer. If you have ever purchased anything from me, you will see on the checkout page the primary offer that you are buying, the course that you're buying, and then there's a box that encourages you to buy a related product. It's typically a really low-cost product. Maybe it's $19 or $10 or something like that, and it goes along with the product that you're purchasing. That bump offer in my cart converts at about 40 percent. So that right there is increasing my average sale. If you have the ability in your shopping cart to use a bump offer, I highly, highly recommend it. Another way to increase your average sale is to create an upsell or what's called a one-time offer. So this is an offer that people see after they have checked out and the very next thing they see before they go to access the product that they've purchased is an offer for something else. Now, in the internet marketing world, you will quite often see what's called a deep funnel, which means you've got four or five or even more one-time offers that follow the main offer. I'm not necessarily advocating that. I think you get too many offers in there, it gets annoying. But one or two upsells or one-time offers or downsells can really not only increase your average sale, but it can also help your customers to do more with what they have purchased, right? So maybe your primary offer is a course and your upsell offer is some templates that go along with the course just to make it easier for them to be successful with what they're purchasing. So take a look at that. See how you can incorporate an upsell or a one-time offer into your funnels to increase that average sale. I have an entire course that I wrote about this. It's called Uncovering Hidden Cash. If you want to learn more about increasing your average sale, I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes. You're going to want to check that out. Then step six is to earn more from your existing customers. So this is going to take place after the sale has been made. Now we already talked about how it's easier to earn more from an existing customer than to convert a new one. And this is just the next step in that. So the way I like to do that is to cross promote my products. I have in my membership if you buy a product from me, you will see the next steps, and those are promoting additional products. They not only help me to increase my sales to existing customers because we make sales on those recommended products every single day, but they also help my customers to know more, to learn more, to do the next thing that they need to do to be successful. So these recommended resources are actually handpicked things that I chose. If you have taken this course, then the next thing you need to learn is this thing. And it really helps the customer get more out of the products that they've purchased, but it also helps me to earn more revenue from my existing customers. You will see this in lots of different e-commerce carts as well. You'll see Amazon does this very, very well. You'll see it in the section that says customers who bought this also bought that. And you'll actually see the little bundle. If you're on Amazon, you'll see the little bundle put together. This plus this plus this. And you can click a button and put all three things in your cart all at one time. I don't have anything that sophisticated set up in my cart, but I can tell you that those recommended purchases the things that go along with the products or the courses that they have already bought bring in extra revenue for me. So I highly recommend you do that as well. And finally, step seven, this is probably the most important part. This is where you move from an ordinary product or course seller to someone who gets it, to someone who is trusted, to someone who your customers will buy from again and again and again. And that is simply to do better next time. Ask your customers for feedback and implement the feedback suggestions that they give you. I was just talking about this with our Six Figure Systems members just the other day when I'm recording this episode. We were talking about how we've grown the membership to 500 members in just three years. And one of the ways that we did that is by asking for feedback continually and taking that feedback to heart and making the changes that made sense that the customers that are members have suggested. If your customers are having a problem or if they need more support from you, if they're telling you that, that is gold information. That's that's just really valuable information for you to have and to implement. Now... I'm not going to lie, it takes a little bit of a thick skin to be able to listen to some of that feedback and to not feel personally attacked about it. But if your customers are taking the time to tell you this feedback, then you owe it to them to put it into practice where it makes sense. And like I said, it will make you a much better product seller, a much better course seller, a much better supplier to your customers if you can do that, if you can ask for that feedback and actually implement the suggestions that they are making. So that's it. Seven steps to increase your online sales without adding more traffic. Step one is to remove the friction. Make it as easy as possible for your customers to say yes to you. Step two is to know your benchmarks. You can't improve what you don't benchmark. You can improve the numbers that you don't have. So take the time to know those numbers and to keep track of what's happening in your business so that you can make improvements and know if what you are improving is actually working. Step three is to then work to improve those numbers. Work on split testing your sales pages, split test your email marketing campaigns, test and track everything. I know it feels tedious to do that kind of tracking, but I promise you it will work wonders in your business. Step four is to save those potential lost sales with an abandoned cart campaign. Step five is to increase your average sale by using bump offers or upsells or one-time offers in your funnel. Step six is to earn more from existing customers by cross-promoting your own products. And step seven, is to listen to feedback and implement changes in your marketing to accommodate your customers when they take the time to reach out to you with that feedback. Now I would love to hear from you. Head on over to tinycourseempire.com forward slash 32 to find the show notes, all the resources I mentioned. And while you're there, be sure to leave me a comment. I would love to know what you are going to do first to start increasing your sales figures without having to drive more traffic or work harder in your business. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, would you do me a favor and leave me a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening? That helps others to find us. And of course, if you have a friend or a colleague who could use this episode, go ahead and send them the direct link. That is tinycourseempire.com forward slash 32. Have a terrific day, everyone. And I will talk to you all again next week.